Hello there, Kenshin Himura. This is Inuyash. Hey, Inuyash. This is Steven. Steven, you got an even cooler name than me this time. What the heck is going on? I mean, your name is pretty cool, but... Well, that, but this one is cooler. So, Kenshin Himura, the protagonist of Roni Kenshin. It's it's just the, the anime fight in the last two chapters. I was going to go on yeah. at length about it. The thing is, I'm not really picturing Kenshin fighting at all. I'm picturing more Gus from Berserk. Because mm, okay. um, he's using two-handed weapons. I'm picturing just this slab of you know, hundred or 250 pounds of iron. Um, <laughs> the gist is we, we got a badass sort anime sword fight. Yeah. The, the fuck the anime sword fights in Kenshin when they really went all out with them. God, they were good. Did you see any of the live actions? No, I didn't. They nailed the, uh, sword play. Really? Like the, I don't know how they danced the line between, you know, like we're going to do anime nonsense, but with people and they do all the, you know, physics shenanigans and everything, and it looks great. All right, I'm going to have to give it a shot then. At least Google Roni Kenshin live action sword fight. But they can't have like the thing where the entire screen goes black and then there's like the, the not really camera flare, but you know, like the star that spins around and expands <laughs> out and then yeah, it has the line of white across the screen and shit. No, not quite. You're thinking of the uh, Amakekaru Ryu no Hirameki, the ultimate That's... attack, right? I think so, yes. Yeah. I would never be able to name it like you just did. I am secretly super nerdy. <laughs> I would have never guessed. <laughs> you know, that's actually good. That's that they call it the ultimate attack, and that's oh no, wait, the ultimate attack is actually. Um, oh wait, no, you know, someone's going to correct me on this. Um, the ultimate attack, I think, is the the super fast sword draw that you use to counter that nine point strike. Uh-huh. And I can't remember what that nine point strike is called. All right, I'll give you my nerd card until I can think of it. Okay. Well, uh, I think that I heard you wanted to prove you're a nerd by talking about other nerd stuff before we started talking about our normal nerd stuff. (laughs) I, you know, so I played uh, Horizon Forbidden West over the last month. It came out about um, five weeks ago. And I wanted to talk about it for a few minutes, but I think I'll, if if I went like on a just 90 second discussion, like a solo on it, it would just sound like I'm ranting and hating on it. So I think all I'm going to say is that I put like 105 hours into it in a month. So clearly they're doing something right. And But you hate it. No, no, no. I wish. I, no, no. It, there, it's just that I wish they did a handful of things differently. And it's okay. it's like, um, it's a lot like how I feel with, uh, except for like the whole thing with Wonder Woman 2 was the plot sucked and the plot to this was fine. Um, but it's like the reason that, we, that Wonder Woman 2 is such a drag is because you can point at be like, oh, if they just changed these three things, this movie would go from bad to great. Mm, and you know it's just like i I could point out like the two or three things that made this game a chore Mm. and it's it's kind of interesting it came apart at the seams like but uh because i don't think i played it the way they intended but that is the whole thing so if anyone else played it and wants to hit me up on discord shoot me a message and we can chat about it or something but uh i heard on girlfriend reviews that at the beginning of the game you basically find out yeah everything you did in the last game didn't actually work nothing took you got to start all over and that was a bummer uh it's it's a lo- it's slightly more original than that. Uh, actually, okay. it's it's considerably that that is what you're led to think the plot will be in the first act, but then it's not. Oh, um, okay, interesting. So that part's fun, but cool. Yeah, again, the plot I think was fine. Um, it like just in a nutshell, there are a handful of mechanics that they thought I think the developers thought would be fun, and it wasn't. And mm-hmm. the protagonist never shuts the fuck up. And <laughs> I love Ashley Birch, the 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 woman who plays her, but. 
it's like they wanted to get every nickel they could out of or you know every line they could out of every penny they spent hiring her mm-hmm. uh, she like my wife was sitting there watching me play and at, at one point she just looks up her, from her phone and she's like who the fuck is she talking to <laughs> because you'll be coming across some quest play you know place or whatever and she's sitting there talking to herself about exactly what to do and it's yeah. like how about you let me play like yeah. this game is actually too technically hard to play for me to be this dumb that I need this much handholding. Mm. And so just lay off and let me do it. But um, it, the only downside is like that, that is a perpetual thing throughout the game. There's no way to turn it off. Um, nope. So it's like a, it's an experience killer, but you know what? I said, I was going to not do this. And otherwise than that, other than that though, the game was great. Check it out. It's a longer story than that. So all right, they did patch away some of the annoying talking. Oh, good. So it wasn't just me that it turns out was super annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah, I remember you mentioning that at some point when I saw you recently. I don't remember exactly where it was. Yeah, I think it was the first patch that the game got. Was okay. like, okay, she's going to mention that, like, you know, you have like off person storage less, and it's like good because she would never shut up about it. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh yeah, what are we doing for real though? We're here. The, the actual nerdy thing we're doing is talking about. Alexander Wales web serial worth the candle in our podcast. Not everything is a clue. Yes, uh, we have a. I was about to say Substack, but that's not true at all. We have a Patreon where you can support us uh, if you would like to do that thing. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we kick back fifteen percent to Alexander Wales, uh, and he also has his own Patreon where you can support him directly if you would like that. We also uh, link to that in the show notes as well. Um, we also link to guess... his book and audiobook. Oh fuck yes, Jesus, yeah. He uh buy those because they have come out and uh they're great and it's always awesome to, you know, actually get paid for all the work that you've done and he did a fuck ton of work writing this thing. Yeah, do it. It's four bucks for the the ebook. Yeah. And then you can even leave an official verified review at Amazon if you do that. Oh, I should do that. Yeah, I, totally. I you know what? I haven't either, and I also should. Note to self. Son of a bitch. Right, I'll set a reminder. My review can be like, I have literally spent hundreds of hours talking about this book. I know. <laughs> I have proof. Go to this website. You can see. Perfect. All right. That All right. is well, let's, on my re- reminders list on my phone now. Let's clock in another two hours of talking about this book. Let's do it. we got to start somewhere with uh, chapter 188, Common Law. The chapter opens up with the reunion. Um, when we last left our heroes, June was... I finished murdering his way out of prison and Amaryllis had, uh, I guess not technically, uh, chicanery her way out of court. So, um, mm. they were able to use some soul link to basically, I'm assuming move values around on the bottom of their list and spell out where he was. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So they, they met up, everyone's alive and functioning. And June is still really pissed off about being uh, tortured and attempted to be killed and all that. And um, he says, you know what? I, I want to just go in and kill all of them. Mm-hmm. I, they, they, they sound like they suck. You say they suck. He says, uh, and there's not a ton of combat mages among the court. The armatures are mooks. The most that I would have to be worried about are powerful entads, hidden research projects, secret memetics, and whatever else is hiding in dark corners. And okay, now that I say it out loud, it might be a problem. <laughs> And I, I believe this starts a trend of these chapters being some of the funniest fucking chapters that we've had so far. I'm glad it's not just me. I feel like his his humor has gone up like immensely, and it was never low. It's just mm-hmm. for whatever reason, especially in the first couple of chapters, I laughed out loud like a like a crazy person by myself reading a book, and yeah. it's just amazing. Maybe like the more pissed off he gets, the more funny he gets, or something. 
That might be part of it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a lot of great lines. Yeah. Uh, but Amaryllis is like, no, no, they, we shouldn't do that. Uh, she says there are rules for staging a successful coup. You need to target all the right people so there's no resistance, and you need international acceptance, and you need the pyramids appearance of legi- <laughs> legitimacy. Of legitimacy. Legitimacy. Oh, my God. What's wrong with my words? <laughs> Words are hard. I can't. I can't do words anymore. But what I can do is Amy. Ha ha. No, that's not true. Because I'm like that. Yeah. <laughs> My comment was I heart Amy now. Um, of course, not nearly as much as Fen. Um, but like, I, I, I heart Amy in the friends way. Not not like not like in a Fen way. But you know, she she she's cool because she knows her shit. You know, she's like this is this is what you want to do if you actually want to stage a coup. She's like thought about it, of course. I think she's she's got binders full of plans for everything, right? And it's like, no, no, you need to make like their heads fall off their shoulders as a result of natural causes, <laughs> like what happens in graveyards sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but June is still pissed off, and he's like talking about bringing Bethel, and Amarillo says no. Val is trying to fix her because we might need her. And one of the things Bethel fucking hates is being used like she's some pistol to be pointed at someone. You'd be tearing apart all the hard work that Val has been doing on so many different levels. And that was, uh, I'm glad she had that reality check because, I mean, I wouldn't have pulled in Bethel either, but I didn't have this thinking uh, behind it. And like, yeah, June, June's being an ass. He's acting kind of like old June here who doesn't give a fuck about anyone and just wants to cause misery to others. And I mean, yes, the, these Pendrigs have deserved it, but it feels like he's regressing and he should stop it and learn from his past mistakes. And then when I wrote that, I was like, oh shit, maybe this chapter is his test of character growth. Like, did, did he actually experience character growth over the last 190 chapters? We get to find out now. I, If, if this is a trend, then, you know, we can, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm totally willing to give him a pass on fantasizing about whatever event she wants. I think this is probably the same day. Oh, wait, it might be the next. No, it's the middle of the night. Yeah, so I mean, he's, he, he woke up in torture, and this is still the end of his torture day, right? Yeah. I feel like anything you say on the day that you got tortured savagely is kind of, you get a pass. Well, on the plus side, as we know, he did not go on a murderous rampage in Colin Bethel. He only murdered one person, and that was totally legal. <laughs> and awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was legal and cool. Uh, <laughs> what I liked about Amaryllis' rebuttal there was like, it wasn't like, dude, that's a bad idea. Bethel's a psychopath and we don't want her back in the group. It was about Bethel's um, betterment. You know, you'd mm-hmm. be undoing hard work, you know, and, and you'd be using her like an implement. Um, it, was, it was much more, um, I don't know, selfless. I, I, I yeah. guess in my mind, Amaryllis had... I think understandably kind of written Bethel off, right? Kind of ready to kill her. And, mm-hmm. but now she's like, you know, no, I mean, we can't just use her like a tool. She hates that. And that's mean. And it would set back all this work. So, yeah. I, you know, she, I don't know if this is like her just being really smart and knowing June and being manipulative or her really being worried about Bethel. But yeah, she knew exactly what to say to be like, no, June, you'd be hurting this other person that, I don't know. I, I think he's still sort of like, doesn't want Bethel to be hurt, despite, you know, the fact that he got raped by her. So she, you know, she knew to appeal to that side of him. Yeah, totally. I, I think that if they wanted to hurt her, they could have killed her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's that was never the goal. No. Hmm. Yeah, I think June, June is typically a nicer, or, you know, I think he's, especially when it's a friend, he's an understanding and, you know, compassionate victim. Um, yeah. In fact, I think he might have been cool with these folks, 
if they had just not kept escalating. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, he is uh, he is not cool with them, though. He says, I'm done being reactive. And once we're finished in Anglican, I don't give a shit about killing Blue in the bottle. And I don't think he's going to be that much easier to kill than a dragon would be. And really, I don't even think we should bother with any of it, because we know that Felseed is our destination. And I gotta say, I think I really kind of like this new proactive step, where, uh, remember two books ago, they at the, they were um, no longer murder hobos, because they had a house, mm-hmm. and they were just kind of languishing and not doing much of anything, and uh, and now he's like the ex- exact opposite, where he's like, I want to go out there, I want to uh, do stuff and be proactive, and sure, maybe he's going a little bit too rash, but... Whenever a story goes from someone being reactive to proactive, that's when shit generally gets really fucking good. That's an interesting observation. I I guess I need to keep my eyes open for that kind of change. Because you're right. Basically, that is part of every hero's journey. They go from like, oh, I defended my home. And okay, well, now I've got to you know go do this because they're going to attack this next place. And it goes from kind of like being on the back foot to be like, okay, let's take the fight to them. And you're right. That is when things get cool. That said, I don't think that this is the time to be making these decisions uh, yeah again just like i'll give right him a pass for yeah I'll, I'll give him a pass for any insane shit that he says but i'm also gonna kind of hold him to like let's not make any judgments about our plans while under this uh, altered state of consciousness mm-hmm. it it does it sort of reminded me maybe of what happened to uther when he decided to stop um letting the adventures come to him and possibly hurt people near him and instead go out and find them in the world away from his loved ones. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, they're here adventuring now, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not sure how long Uther was able to put his feet up before his wife got cut in half. Um, mm-hmm. You know, was it a full week or was it just like he was adventuring too close to home and, you know, the DM wanted him to go to the, um, the outer reaches or whatever. Um I'm just really curious if it was a thing with Uther that was, you know, kind of like this, where he just gets pushed too far and he's finally like, fuck it, I'm going out there. I'm going to murder the fuck out of things that are that are pissing me off in the world. If he had like a breaking point like that. It's definitely possible. I mean, yeah, June, he says, these people are monsters. I don't give a rancid shit about the legal pretenses <laughs> of the state of political capital. I'm out for blood. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, this guy gets it. I know everyone listens yeah. right, but let, let's, let us have our fun. Yeah. And by that, I mean, indulge in these fantasies. I know that, like, you know, this would be about, well, it's going to be about as smart as Harry running into the Wizengamot and killing everybody. But if Harry could actually do that, um, yeah. I think June could kill everyone in that room. Uh, the question is, like, would that be a smart thing to do? And probably not. But thinking about it is a lot of fun. So, yeah. And also, it sounds like he's going to be pushing to get to Felseed real soon here. We'll see. I, I, I wonder, you know, like he talked about, if the um, if the players were like, well, we know where the quest ends, we're going to just go straight there, like he would just smack them down, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like his quest list has too many unchecked boxes on it. Okay, got to clear out some of that stuff first. Plus more XP, more points, you know. Yeah, it's not, it's not just for fun and side quests. <laughs> right, it's going to get better, faster, stronger. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of these quests, uh, him and Amaryllis are kind of, you know, debating whether they should murder everyone or take a slightly less murderous route. And uh, June says, I don't even, we don't even have a quest. And as soon as he says that, he gets the quest for full court press, uh, which which ends with the line, help her to secure a future for the both of you in Anglican. 
Uh, and as soon as she got, as soon as he got the quest, Amaryllis just says, you just got one, which I assume she could tell due to like a sudden shift in his face or body language or something. And I imagine his eyes move left to right when he's reading his heads up display. Oh, yeah, maybe that's, I, I hadn't occurred to me, but yeah, probably that was a several lines in that quest. Yes. I mean, you know, he's, he's looking at her kind of angry and then he stops and he's like moving his eyes back and forth. And she's like, okay, I've seen Mm -hmm. this before. (laughs) Yeah. Good call. But yeah, it does say help her secure future for the both of you in Anglican. And I think that is absolutely the DM saying, Hey dipshit, don't just kill everyone. This game involves you taking charge of Anglican. And I don't care if you don't like it. You know, the more sinister reading of Amaryllis immediately catching that he got a quest is that she's the DMPC. And she's like, I just gave you the quest. Now you can't make that excuse anymore. That is the more sinister reading, yeah. But I was thinking about it, and if if someone in the party is DMPC, I think it's I think Solace is a good guess. Like we watched her get blown up before, and sure that was void and not like a bullet, but she's shown herself to be permeable to damage. But when convenient, she can just tank a shot to the face, right? Hmm. Yeah, that that sounds like some just like yeah, magic as whatever, just to you know keep the plot going. Well, I mean, Grack tanked a shot to the brain. Right, but he he uh, he was actually hurt. He didn't just like wink it off, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's we'll see how. I, I'm not I'm not sure if anyone in the group is actually. I don't know why the DM would need to be in the party. I think you know you'd set things up and then just watch. But we'll, mm-hmm. we'll keep our eyes open. Um, oh yeah, I. So his his reaction to getting it is he's like, no, fucking no, this doesn't matter. It's my life. I'm not going to be dictated by quest text. And I think other than the petite mort achievement, I don't think he's really expressed like a fuck this game sentiment that much before. Mm. Um, it's, I was going to, oh, I think yeah. you're right. I mean, I think that maybe like the seven keys for seven locks or whatever, like when it gets like into his personal life, I guess, but you know, yeah. usually it's like, Oh good. Now we're here. At least I'm going to get paid for it. You know, that should be his attitude. Right. Yeah. And, and he's like, his, his rage train is going so fast. He can't even slow down to appreciate that. Amaryllis is going to get some crazy-ass perk out of this. All right. Grack is a hitherto undreamt-of god who can walk through the world's strongest wards now. Mm -hmm. Um, And and he's a warder. You know, Amaryllis' aptitudes are political. What the fuck is her perk going to be? Once a week, you can convince anyone of anything. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. Use it on Felseed. Hey, you want to quit, right? Oh, yeah. See? This is worth worth finishing this quest for. You never know what what you're going to get. Yeah. but, oh yeah, so there, Crack says, it implies a future in Anglican. You're unlikely to have one if you assassinate someone. And Pallida says, so it's a hint. And <laughs> Pallida, not being here for all that naysaying earlier on in the story, she's catching on to the fact quick that everything is a clue. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's too bad she didn't know the word clue is the word that we're using, though. She accidentally said hint instead. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. I'm going to mark it. We knew what she meant. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> so this is great. June says, I'm not going to go through with this trial <laughs> bullshit just because the dungeon master says that it's possible. Because first off, he's a fucking liar. And second, he's not my real dad. <laughs> I think that was I, the first time this chapter where I just burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great freaking line. I think he's, well, I mean, he's, he's, it's a good point. Both of those are good points. Um, he's, he is a fucking liar, right? I, I believe we've, we've seen that. Um, I don't know that we've observed like a direct lie. 
Um, I think that June, just when convenient, hates the guy. Well, I think he hates him all the time, but I think he'll make up whatever he wants to about him, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, you know, yeah, it's I, a fuck I this guy. He fucking sucks. And, like, the second reason, you know, it's not even a reason. It's just, it's mm-hmm. a joke, right? And it, yeah. it makes me, it was just, he's not my real dad. And, like, nobody knows what that means. And yeah. so he has to explain it. And it does a great job of actually, like, breaking the tension here. Um, but it was it was just really funny. Yeah. He's, so I wasn't sure, I mean... I do recall the first time I read this, I, I laughed a lot, just like you did, that he's not my real dad. But this time reading it through, I'm like, well, I mean, the Dungeon Master kind of works as a parental figure, sort of. Um, and then, and, and I mean, yeah, June explains this. He says, it's this thing in Earth sitcoms and movies where there's someone trying to be a father figure and the kid will yell something like, you're not my real dad, and then storm out in the middle of an argument. And I was just, he can't tell me what to do. He can only force me to do things. Which I, I guess is what I was probably going to try to think my way through, except, you know, I kept reading a little bit and I saw that June already beat me to it uh, <laughs> on the way to the end, which was, you know, freaking great, you know, uh, that, that Alexander Wales is always on top of this shit like this. And uh, I guess I was kind of in a mood for talking about it because of all the James Gunn stuff we've been watching. Yeah, James Gunn and Daddy Issues are synonymous. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I, I always love when, especially like me and June, because we get the most, you know, screen time with him, but he and I are vibing a lot, these chapters, and mm-hmm. it just makes for fun, kind of like, not just not just fun reading, not just funny, but I don't know, makes makes me feel smart, makes me feel like the characters are smart. Um, I just, he's not my, you know, like uh, Jake Peralta from um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He always, and he actually does have, you know, dad issues, but that he mm-hmm. makes a joke. He's like, oh, sure, the guy without a dad is the one with dad issues. Come on. Um, <laughs> so typical. But th- this was just, I don't know, it was hilarious. Um, it was it was a really cool observation that, like, you have to be, you have to respect someone for them to, like, be able to tell you what to do, right? And if you don't respect them, then they can force you to do it. But they can't just, like, tell you a thing to do and you're going to do the thing. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think he was just going for a laugh. But when you have to explain it, then yeah, maybe there's something to read into there. But I don't know. I think Solace is more of a father figure than a DM. Like the guy's basically hands off, and all he does is throw rocks at the kid, right? Like <laughs> just like a real dad. <laughs> Solace is at least there saying, you know, we can chill out, we can relax, you can, you know, and still you can get shit done. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think she's a better father figure than the DM. Greg says that uh, what June said is a cruel thing to say to a surrogate father, and June like is kind of taken aback by this and says, I would have thought we were all in agreement that the dungeon master isn't actually a father figure to me. And like, isn't he though? I don't think so. I, cause, cause of the, the case you just made about solace. Yeah. Well, and just like, I mean, I, I don't quite know what a father figure. I mean, I haven't spent time operationalizing the definition, but yeah, there's, there's nothing that screams father figure to me about a guy that you've met exactly twice and who doesn't tell you stuff. And, uh, put you in this weird matrix where you can actually get really, really hurt, you know? Again, this sounds a lot like a father figure to me. Um, I don't know. Like oftentimes dads are kind of hands off and you don't see them very much, right? They're always away at work and shit. And yeah, I suppose, but you know, you have a companionable game of catch if we're going with TV sitcoms and when, when, when are he and the DM going to play catch? Yeah. Never. I, I guess I don't know. It just seemed like sort of in a metaphorical way since the DM is God and God is always 
sort of been like a father type figure in Western mythology, right? Can I introduce you to uh, Amaryllis' Church of the Latter-day DM? <laughs> okay, fair point. I, I think, I, I guess, I don't know. I, it, it's You're right, he's much more like of a peer to June, maybe just someone a couple years older. I, I just, I guess the thing that him being God made me sort of associate him with a father figure. So you're right, no, I, totally I, not I'm totally. reading way too much into it. No, you're great. Um, this is a great segue, though, to reading too much into things. So he's still got the earball that they took from Yarrow. Um, yes. And it, you can use it to communicate some number of times a day with Onion. And he's like, you know, off screen, he says that he had an idea of what to say to Onion. Amaryllis didn't think that we should say anything, but I ran my idea past her and she rolled her eyes and, you know, approved it. So it, his idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's saying... It is me, your nephew Yarrow, who is completely alive and safe. Do not worry. Pure gold. <laughs> Fantastic. And then when he responds with all sorts of like, I will crush your bones and you will scream in the hells and whatever, he replies, that is a very rude way to speak to your beloved nephew who is alive. <laughs> it's just even better without the uh, like punctuation. Yeah, like it just it speaks like um you know like an internet comment. Yes, and it's it's we, perfect. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'm pretty sure that Onion has guessed that it's June who's sending these. You know, it could be anyone that they picked <laughs> up. But so yeah. like you know they're gonna they're gonna be fighting here in a couple of chapters, and mm-hmm. June just gets to you know they both get to know it's like yeah I'm the one who was fucking trolling you. <laughs> After I murdered your nephew. Oh my god. Or killed your nephew, not necessarily murdered. Right. Um, All right, so uh, we go back to court the next day, and um, they bring forward the, um, like, you know, the witness, and it's June. And for whatever dumbass, well, no, it's for a very clear reason that Onion immediately motions to dismiss the witness. (laughs) And, like, Someone kind of just raises their hand and like, hold on, why though? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they have a vote and it goes heavily in favor of keeping him around because this guy's you know been hearing the name June a lot lately. Kind of curious what he's got to say, right? Yeah, um, and he you know part of like who are you? How'd you come here? And he's like, well, you know, I, I know all these magics and stuff too. And it's like, really? It's like, oh, I can give demonstrations uh, if I can have the councils leave and. Flocks and nods. So he goes through a small demonstration and, you know, takes off a bunch of the magic boxes. And then Flocks, after nodding and giving permission, says, given that you have no registration in any of those magics, you've just committed a number of serious <laughs> crimes in front of this court. And I, I was just like, oh, you fuck right off with that shit. Like, I know. I, was, I would have been, like, furious if that took and, like, you know, the vote was going against him. And I would have been super in favor if he just, like, immediately threw all of his weapons at the, you know, Onion and and flocks and all them and just started killing them right then and there. Like, yeah, like they didn't ward against his magic. Like they're fucked. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think luckily this also goes to a vote and they're like, no, you said he could fuck off. So yeah, it wasn't just me. No. <laughs> so yeah, at this point, I, I think at this point it's yeah. Right. Really obvious that both the judge and like the number one man is, is very much against June here. Yeah, very biased judge. Yeah. 
but so they're they're doing the whole uh, grilling thing, and it seems to be going pretty well for June until like right at the very end, they're like, oh, and one more thing. Uh, isn't there a companion that we haven't mentioned? And he's like, uh, I don't know, Grack? And they're like, Folliter White Shelf, an elf. And he says, fuck. And I thought, fuck. And like, I read those words and I was like, oh God. And my stomach dropped. I'm like, what the fuck is going to happen here? It's going to be, it's going to be something bad. I, I guess I could look at my notes for exactly what I was thinking when they dropped the name, but I was also, I don't know, distracted because I'm not sure if that was their game and trying to distract him, but they keep mentioning Fen. And mm-hmm. like, I think just to kind of, you know, keep him off his, off his rhythm, but you know, the, was it public knowledge that they were a couple? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. And I don't think so either, but they, they asked like twice where she is. And it's like, I said, she's dead. Fuck you. Um, mm-hmm. And then with the follow thing, Oh, sorry. Well, maybe they're trying to rub it in the same way that like he was rubbing in that I'm your nephew and I'm totally a safe and alive. That's, I mean, totally. That, that, that strikes me as, probably what they're going for it's just so i think i was hung up on that and they talk, talk about falter and it's like oh yeah he's gone like no we never no, i don't know who you're talking about um mm-hmm. and it, then she's like well you know the prison is sent in and it does this and that and so he's just like a building told you this and <laughs> I, I just imagine him kind of you know that inflection you know incre- incredulous eyebrow raise and the other thing is it's you know, like they did with uh, Amaryllis the day before, you know, well, you could, you'll kill Larkspur. Here's all this information. And then as soon as it gets too deep, it's like, well, actually, that's not what this trial is about. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. June could have just been like, what am I even on trial for? Is it this Folliter guy? Like, no, I thought I was here for whatever else, you know, the desertion of the punishment or whatever. Like, yeah. look, bring me to court another day to talk about this elf that you say I helped out of prison. Um, yeah who's not around to corroborate your guys' weird notions. Um, yeah. There was also, speaking of people not being around, uh, well, prisons, something, something. Anyway, point is, um, when when he shows up, uh, I can't remember exactly when they're talking about it, but he and Anya are, like, arguing in front of everybody about, like, you know, you were in prison, what happened? And he's like, I, I was never abducted. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I fought my way out of that mm-hmm. room. And he's that like, was you're, great. You're lying. It's like, no, I'm not. Prove it. No, <laughs> prove I was there, no. bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> show me the black site that I was in. And I think that I don't know the whatever the building told you this defense didn't quite land. So he's like, all right, fine, trial by combat. I want to do that instead. And Onion is just you know I think stoked. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, oh yeah, so they tell him trial by combat isn't allowed by any but a member of the court. And he's like, oh, well, then. And he's, you know, thinking about uh, using his ring to teleport. And then he's thinking how much trouble he'd be in if he just tried to kill Onion with a lucky throw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now we see probably that wouldn't work because this guy is kind of boss. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, mm, worth a shot. Um, <laughs> how much trouble would I be in? He has he has the idea next chapter about, like, you know, if I can just win tri- trials by combat, what's to keep me from ki- committing a bunch of crimes? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and basically, like, convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Convention, and someone would assassinate you at some point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I was uh, hoping yeah, they would there... just go for it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, <laughs> yeet. <laughs> you don't want to trial by combat? I'll give you a trial by combat. Yeah. The uh, but yeah, they're like, no, he you can't have a trial of combat because that's only for nobility. He's like, oh, oh okay, I'm Amaryllis. Will you marry me? And Amaryllis is like, yes. 
and uh, says, per the Decency Acts, Juniper and I have been cohabiting for the past three months and qualify to waive the time limit. I need a witness to vouch. Lissy vouches, and they just pwn the whole court and say their vows right there with the Gimli sign speak, even though they got silenced. It was it was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, there's an hour of intense argument, and it was finally decided that, yes, we were really married, and I was really a member of the court. And then we walked out of the room, council room with our heads held high. Um, mm-hmm. And... Yeah, still more romantic than Rip and Bethel's wedding. <laughs> yeah, that's. There's actually uh, was like romantic the... and nice, and uh, assuming that was Ropey talking, you know, it was it was actually a really fun thing. But this was great, and yeah, uh, Amaryllis just you know locked and loaded. You know, yes, I'll marry you. Let's do it. Here's the repeat after me. Do the thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I just love that you know, still a better love story than Twilight meme. So this this works very well as the worth the candle version. Oh, that's funny. Still romantic than Ropey and Bethel's wedding. I might have heard that that line somewhere, but uh, I wasn't thinking of it when I yeah. did the Ropey Bethel thing. This has been at least the second time you've said it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Maybe that meme is back in my head. Back in my head somewhere, but. I mean, it's a good meme to have, especially, you know, for a wedding where one person needs the other person after. <laughs> I meant the still still more romantic than Twilight. Like, oh, I, don't oh, right, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm familiar with that, but it sounds familiar. But Or maybe it just sounds familiar because it makes so much sense. Um, yes. It was, you know, all over the place for a while. I think my, my favorite version of that was, uh, you saw Game of Thrones, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, remember the scene where Toramund, the big giant uh, Northman with the orange hair and frizzy orange beard and all yeah, that? yeah. He's staring down the uh, the night lady whose name I can't remember now. Brianna Tarth. Uh, yes, he's just like staring her down and just chomping on this loaf of bread like, mm, man, I want to get with that. And Brianna's like, oh, God. Oh, God, this guy. I'm looking away. And the caption is, still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> it's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, this guy respects her. That's That's the key difference. I think that makes all the difference. It's it's an important part of most love stories, yeah. Yeah, not not a Twilight though, um, <laughs> as far as I can tell. I it's hard to say. I guess does he respect Bella? I never read the books. I just remember from the movie it was like he basically looked at her like he was hungry. You know, she's she's a particularly good smelling piece of meat. But I'm well, sure there's more I to mean, it than that. I don't know. It's yeah, more to it in gigantic quotes because there's nothing to any of that book. So. Uh, it's it's weird. It seemed like at least definitely in the first first movie it was more like driving animal lust, but you know, that's a way that lots of relationships start, so it's not necessarily bad. Yeah, I mean, that's how my wife and I met. I broke into her house every night for a few weeks and watched her sleep. <laughs> True love. True love for sure. <laughs> All right, chapter one eighty nine, B side. B side. What the do, do you know? What B-side is referring to here? It's the other side of a record or a cassette tape. Well, I mean, I know that, but how does it relate to this chapter? Oh, they got the, the other Amaryllis. I think it's I, like, you know, we've yeah, but got she's not the like primary the, side and then the B-side. But the B-side is like always different, and this Amaryllis is exactly the same. Yeah, this this Amaryllis made out with June. So with the original Amaryllis, I think. But she didn't. This one did. <laughs> okay, fine. I, I, at least that, that's, that's my that's my best guess. Mm-hmm. Something to do with the duplication. So they're talking about how serious uh, marriage is here on Arab because uh, it's apparently more serious than it is on Earth. And uh, June says, "Well, my Arab parents divorced, 
And she's like, yeah, they divorced and it's a black mark against them. They'd be seen as people who don't take vows seriously. And it's actually marked on your father's military record. And I was just like, wow, that's, it's a, it's a weird, different sort of country. And I don't know if that would be better, but maybe that would be better if it was like that in the real world too. Which part? The part where if you get divorced, and I, I say this as someone who has been divorced twice, but the part where if you get divorced, it's seen like as a major flaw in your character and uh, that you're someone who doesn't take vows seriously. Because like the first time I proposed marriage, it was like, oh shit, we're doing absolutely terribly as a couple. Maybe if we get married, that'll fix things. Because, you know, I was 19 and retarded. But um Maybe if, you know, you end up getting divorced and people wouldn't so easily flop into marriages. I, I don't know. Me, I'm trying to think, like, would I not have done that if if I knew there were these serious consequences to getting divorced? But, I mean, I was 19 and retarded, so I probably still would have done it anyway. I think it's you would have done it anyway. Like, yeah. you know, I frankly, anyone who, like, wants to get a divorce and does deserves a high five. Like, it's a hard decision to make. and. It's, uh, you know, fraught with whatever interpersonal conflict, you know, who gets which friends, who gets the house, et cetera, et cetera. But you're deciding like, no, this is still better for the both of us if we go through with all this work. Like, I think that's actually commendable. I guess. It's just like in the in the current day, divorce doesn't really mean anything except for now you have to disentangle all your assets. And also marriage doesn't really mean anything except, you know, now legally all your assets are mingled. So it just doesn't seem like that big a deal anymore and i don't know if that's necessarily bad but i'm also not sure if it's good either like it would be nice if there was something that meant that that was such a big deal i mean i think that is like the commitment part that you make you know it for me it was like the big party in front of our you know friends and family that was like we love each other um mm -hmm. it it was less about like getting the state of colorado involved um mm -hmm. that wasn't the the exciting part. Um, yeah. I mean, if you were to end up getting divorced, like I would not think any less of you. I think that's be like, yeah, you know, that should, should happens. Yeah. I'm, I, I think so too. Like on it, I, I, cause I don't want the world to be a different way. And I, I can't imagine thinking less of you just because you got divorced. I'm like, you know, yeah, people change, whatever, but also, I don't know, maybe, but it would be cool to live in a world where like there was a kind of vow that actually mattered. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I guess at least we have perjury laws. Yeah. But that somehow feels less, like, cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, I just saw a joke recently. It was like, you know, on trial for murder. So did you kill him? No. Do you know what the penalty is for perjury? Less than murder? Uh <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, uh, was this a comedy show? Uh, I think I just saw something on Reddit. It was, I think, like oh, a picture okay. or something. Cool. Yeah, but anyway, so he and Amarillos are talking about now they're married. Um, yeah, which you know, great. I, I take it as seriously as uh, I don't think Hermione and Harry technically got married. I think that she basically became a servant of House Potter, like an indentured servant or something. Yes. Um, but if they if they'd gotten married, I take it the same way, right? This is just like okay, well, as long as the state, you know, we need to keep up with the charade or whatever, and mm -hmm. uh, Amarillos. You know, because she was trigger ready with the, you know, we've been together these months or whatever. So June's like, you've been thinking about this, right? And she's like, yeah, but I didn't want it to be like, you know, part of the main plan. 
He says, yeah, it would have been a little awkward to talk about it. Yeah. And Amarellis replies, yeah, real fucking awkward. And I loved mm-hmm. that. Um, and I, I don't think that either of them are really bummed out by this arrangement. Um, mm-hmm. It, I think that they get to, I don't know, have their cake and eat it too. Um, yeah. But then June, June says, of course, being awkward isn't a reason not to bring things up. Uh, oh, no, wait. Amarellis was putting that. Um of course, being awkward is not a reason to not bring things up, but I was worried that if I did bring it up, it would eat into planning and strategy time for our actual plans while being categorically worse option on most levels. And June says, plus it would be awkward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. You know, this is, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but this is a darn good setup for having the um, semi semi realist. Is that what they ended up calling her? Because all the stuff that would be awkward, you can talk about that now, you know? Man. Like just just plus it would be awkward is a thing that stops a lot of things from actually happening. And uh that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. I because they both really wanted this. Like this is the ideal almost the ideal for them to be married to each other but not have to actually, you know, be husband and wife or whatever. Yeah, it's not clear, so I and I guess I could go back and read whatever vows they made, but I didn't see I don't think we got all of them. So they're like what, they're married? I'm not sure what their vows mean, but like all right, so where were we? We had technical difficulties. I was talking about being able to talk with like the other copy and stuff. We'll we'll get there when we get there, and that's the part I'm excited about. So um, cool, because he's like, all right, trial by combat. Fuck all this court stuff, and that's I guess the end of proceedings. So they get to go home for the day. <laughs> yes, and they're talking. They're talking about awkwardness and stuff, and how their marriage is going to go. June wonders uh, what Fen would make of this, indicating the two of them. I think she would understand that it means nothing, says Amaryllis. And, like, these two are so bad at lying. Because, like, obviously, like, June still wants to sex her. And she still wants to non-sexually romance him, whatever that is. And, like, that's not nothing. It, I mean, they're they're incompatible in some fundamental level. But, like, saying she, I, she would understand that this means nothing is just a flat-out lie because it... it does mean something and they're just trying to dance around it. And I think it's even kind of obvious to them. Like, why do they got to keep saying the lie out loud to each other? I don't know. I, I mean, well, they got to say the lie out loud because it would be awkward otherwise, but I, I don't think that June wants to sex her. Like, I think that he wants to like, he wants her to sex him and then he'll want to sex her. Right. 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 So I, but I think that's an important difference. Like he's not thinking, God, I wish I could just bed her right now. Right. Uh, he's he's oh. thinking. God, I he wish he was into, she was into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're still lying that there's nothing that this means nothing, right? Right. They're saying that like a line for sure. Okay. And then June is thinking to himself that I guess they had to say this line to each other because he couldn't imagine a scenario where we both said how we felt that wouldn't feel like the dungeon master was mashing two dolls together. <laughs> and I think he's really letting the DM rule his life a bit too much in this case because like first of all maybe this is just his excuse for not saying what he wants to say and her not saying what she wants to say because it would be too awkward or some shit because like who cares what it looks like to the audience or to the reader or to whoever right it it wouldn't feel like the dm mashing them together because the dm is not mashing them together it's they themselves having this conversation between each other and he just doesn't want to because it would be too awkward which is very silly I think you're happy. I mean, right. it's it's entirely understandable, but also, you know, yeah, you can only read so much of that. No, it, it's tough because, like, 
it'd be hard not to feel like the DM was trying to make this happen because he made her look like that, right? Well, sure. So like this, he's this, not, he's, the whole thing is just like, okay, he clearly wanted us to hook up, and that makes this whole thing weird. I guess, but like, if if someone introduces you to another person in in the hopes that you guys will like hit it off, then you could say the same thing about that, right? If I craft you a person from scratch that looks exactly like what you didn't even know was the deepest desire of, of a person, right? Well, then I would say thank you. You're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I like. I I don't know. It's been a hundred ninety chapters, my dudes. Like you, you've you've carved out your own relationship here, very separate from any influence from the DM. It would not feel like that the him mashing them together anymore. I just like the like the mental image that he draws of this guy in a hoodie just banging two you know dolls together. <laughs> yeah. Now kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they go back to the hotel and they start talking about the duel and what they're how they're going to um win. And uh, he mentions, yeah, okay, we're going to do the soul scapism thing where we scoop out all the points that all of these mooks that we have uh, have in their martial combat skills and give them to me. And Pal is like, wait, you take 10 points from someone and 10 points from someone and 10 points from someone. And somehow that adds up to 30 points, even though all of them just knew the same basic 10 points of stuff. He's like, yeah. And she's like, that's dumb. He's like, it's game mechanics, not reality. <laughs> and Pal is like, but why? He says, I don't understand the question. <laughs> it's a fantastic fucking thing. Um, but, you know, we understand, so we're not going to get into that. I just had to pull it out because it was another hilarious line. Uh, he explains it as a map and territory thing. And at this point, I decided that we should have some sort of drinking game where whenever a rational shibboleth is dropped, we cheer and then we drink because, you know, there, there's another one and it's awesome. I'd be into it. You know, just mean mainly maybe one or two drinks a night, which doesn't sound like too much. Um, yeah. If we had to drink every time you made me laugh, then I'd be dead before the end of the episode. So. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a good one for it. Yeah, it what's funny too. Well, I guess we'll get there when. Well, I don't know if I took a note for it. The thing is, Paladin's interpretation of how soulscapism could work is perfectly plausible. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that like uh, could have actually screwed them, but doesn't. So it's I don't know. Her, her intuitive understanding of it is sensible enough that I think it was reasonable to worry about. But he's like, no, that's not how the game works. Um, so like, yeah. that's all the reasoning he needs. Um, yeah. Anyway, the, the map and territory thing was an idea that had come from Arthur, who had gone through a phase of talking about the concept at great length. So nice. he gets two loyalty points for me. Yeah, I, I like that. I guess they never they never really drop less wrong rationalism or whatever. But either him or Arthur, or even once or twice, I think Tiff, someone's like pulling something in from there and inserting this into here, which was cool. Totally. Amaryllis yada yada yadas her way through a thing. Uh, he asks why two entads, and Amaryllis says, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Here's a possible reason, yada yada. June says, as far as I could recall, that was the first time Amaryllis had elected to yada 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 her way through a conversation. It made me uneasy. I was wondering, do you think this is a clue? Because he specifically pulls it out as something that's happened for the first time and that made and that has made him uneasy. And uh, if so, what is it a clue to? Well, I, I have a, a theory, but go ahead. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say not everything is a clue. So if, <laughs> if I had to think of something, I think it made him uneasy because either she doesn't know something for once, uh, mm. which is startling in and of itself, 
or she's not trying as hard because she doesn't have to impress them now that they're married, right? She's already locked it down. Now she doesn't have to try to, you know. <laughs> that doesn't strike me as an amaryllis kind of thing to do, but, you know, maybe like, oh, thank God, we're married. Now I can get fat and lazy or exactly. whatever. <laughs> or fat and stupid or, yeah. Huh. I, 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 I suppose. I don't think that's it, but, you know, if I yeah. had to guess. Especially because it's like been a few hours, right? She's she's as soon as that time dinger went off, she's like, "Okay, good, I'm done. It's over." Going to switch to sweats. Stop doing her hair. Just you know, mm-hmm. stop trying to sound smart. She's like, "Oh fuck it, I already locked down. I'm married to God now. I don't care anymore." Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't need to keep him happy. Vows are serious on air. You know, vows are serious. It just occurred to me, she is the next Uther Pendrag's wife. You know, so mm-hmm. like politically, that's something that she kind of was angling for, but I think she liked June too much to like pitch the idea, um, mm-hmm. but or like respected him too much. But uh, Uther's wife didn't have an easy go of it. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, and also probably because she realized that it doesn't really mean the same thing to uh, June come from Earth as it does to Arab people. No, but it just occurred to me to think of this in the context of Uther's wife. Okay. Who had a rough time of it, and Emily was nose. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She might get her legs cut off or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess she's going to be not letting June take it easy. Uh, like, no, get out there and adventure, goddammit. I'm not getting cut in half. <laughs> yeah. So my idea, and this is actually one that came to do this read-through, because on my first read-through, not once did I think anything about, like, any of the party was a DMPC, right? Like, he brought it up briefly in that one chapter and then dismissed it. And I was like, yep, I'm with you, June. None of them are DMPCs. But if I was looking for clues that someone might be a DMPC, like, the idea that the DM is like, you know what? I Here's one possible reason. I don't want to, you know, make up a whole history behind this esoteric fluff question you ask me right now. They, 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 this could be a potential clue that she might be a DMPC. It could be. I mean, it's also, I think there is just no good answer. The real answer is that it's awesome, right? Like, uh, it, it, le- it no, makes for a good fight. In- yeah, yeah, totally. And so, like, there isn't any other decent reason for this. Like, if you're going to do a trial by combat, it why should it only permit people trying to hit each other with sharp metal sticks? Like, it's, so they can't use magic, it has to be sword fighting. But then they're like, well, not just sword fighting, you can bring any two entads. And that is obvious chicanery to me. Like the rich, well-connected person will have better gear, and that's just a load of shit. Like, and mm-hmm. because entads can do anything, right? Yeah, be like yeah. you can pick whatever standard metal shield and standard metal sword you want. That should be the rules. But I don't know. Just Maybe. any any two entads makes it. It means it'll be fun, but there's no. I can't think of any sensible reason why it would be the case. I mean, maybe the fact that it privileges the people who have more power and money is the a feature and not a bug. Um, yeah, that is a perfectly satisfactory answer. And I spent a while thinking about it. That didn't even occur to me. I think you're right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because it means that the, that, yeah, we're going to win most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's also a funny hiccup in the rules that like, if June cheats, he is basically convicted, right? It's like, he's guilty. Yeah. And if Onion cheats, June gets to go free. Uh, yeah. The thing is, if Onion cheats and kills June while doing it... <laughs> It seems like this is the easy way for the court to just consistently, you know, oh, yeah, well, I, yes, I technically, I guess I did cheat. Sorry about that. Um, no. But he's dead now, so. I, I suppose he could cheat in a way that June survives through it if it doesn't quite go off correctly. 
Oh yeah, if that happened, then June would go free. But yeah. if if Onion cheated and killed June doing it, then it's like there's no court recourse for it because the only punishment, as far as you know, on Onion's side, is that June goes free. Yeah, maybe you're they, right. May- that is some bullshit. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe they revision mage him, but if you killed him with magic, that wouldn't work. So yeah, yeah, that's it's some bullshit magic rules. Yeah, they, I mean the man is there trying to keep us down. There is some. So there's a woman there trying to keep us down too. Rose Mallow's sitting on some heavy firepower and some really cool shit. Yes, but she's not trying to keep us down. She's trying to help out uh, us if us is Emeril. She's been sitting on this for her whole life. Emeril didn't know this existed. Well, yeah, but she was using it for herself for the most part. Mm. The thing we're talking about is this entad that she gives to Amaryllis here for the next few days, which will make a duplicate of her. Uh, and the, the it makes a, a duplicate that lasts for 12 hours before it uh, either disappears into nothingness or if she's touching Amaryllis at the end of 12 hours, will um, reintegrate into her and she has all the memories from both of them. And Rosemary says, the only stipulation is that it works best if you can cooperate with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think, first of all, this is an absolutely amazing trinket. I would freaking love it. Uh, but I, I love that stipulation she gave because, like, it would be really terrible for, in the H.P. Moore universe, the Pansy Perkinsons of the world. But also, I think probably anyone who believes in this continuity of consciousness thing, that the same people who, like, wouldn't get in the Star Trek transporter, uh, because, like, they would be freaking the hell out as soon as the the entad is used that they don't want to die and they'd like find some way to make themselves be the real person and make the other person disappear instead. And like, it would, it would be absolutely terrible for anyone who's got that, that weird belief thing. I like trying to explain that debate, I guess about the transporter to people who mm-hmm. aren't, I don't know, super nerds slash like already familiar with like that, you know, philosophical discussion. Yeah. And in my, the couple of times I've done this, the person has no idea why it's a problem. And it's like, what do you mean? I teleport? It's fine. Like, yeah. The, and so I, that obviously isn't proof, but it just means like intuitively, uh, people seem to think that there's no problem with it. Now, that isn't evidence one way or another as like to whether or not it's the actual case. But I, I side with that. Like, I'm like, you know, yeah, one of me, quote, dies, but I, I continue elsewhere. You know, mm. it's like, have you ever lost consciousness involuntarily? Like, it's kind of like that, except you don't even actually lose on you know you actually lose consciousness. Because yeah. you know there's a bright light and then you're on Mars or whatever. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever lost consciousness involuntarily. Does does you know falling asleep when I didn't mean to count? Um, I mean sure, because I think falling asleep in general counts. But I, I was thinking more of like I've I've like fallen and you know briefly not been awake. Um, oh shit! You know or yeah, you. I don't think uh, I've ever lost consciousness due to a blow to the head actually no not entirely true i was in a car accident once and i don't remember several seconds oof so yeah i mean of, but, yeah you know nonetheless you persisted um <laughs> you know <laughs> or did i you, you lost a few seconds but um anyway the there's there's two funny there's two things about this bracelet just to start off before we get into the the meat and potatoes of it one rose mallow seems to share june's midwestern modesty because she asks him oh, to turn right. around during the duplication, because there's going to be a new Amaryllis. Mm-hmm. Whereas Amaryllis, I got the impression that like all Airbians were just totally fine flaunting their their swimsuit areas, but apparently yeah, that's just that's a too pragmatic Amaryllis doing her thing. Um, and like Rose Mallow at this point, I'm assuming realizes that a they are married, and b part of that is that they've been cohabitating indecently for three months. So 
I don't know. Maybe she just didn't want to be there. I, I, it was strange. Rose Mallow was uh, not the typical Airbnb, as far as I can tell. It's it, you know she's she's prim and proper nobility. Yes, but and we don't get this next chapter or in the next two chapters. I'm guessing it's the unspoken plan guarantee. But I they they had to have been using this for the onion fight, right? I think so because we had the two onions briefly. Oh no, uh, that's that was one of Onion's swords because he's a filthy cheater. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that was the that was apparently the sword he used in his last duel seven years ago. Um, okay. So no, no, I, I think that June was using this like, oh, but that would be the Entad. They're both wearing this bracelet, aren't they? Probably. Who? Oh, the Amaryllises. Yeah. No, only one Amaryllis is wearing the bracelet. Okay, good. Then yeah, Primaryllis gets the bracelet. The duplicate doesn't. I I, I just think. If I was June, I'm going to go fight somebody that is, for whatever reason, famous and kicks ass. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to send my disposable copy. They actually really should have done that. I mean, there's the the whole cheating angle, possibly, but they probably wouldn't have gotten caught. Yeah, I mean, and what? If you get caught, then you at least get a chance to escape. You're not killed. Um, No. But maybe they did. We'll see. Um, Or maybe they were worried that the duplicate wouldn't be able to use all the game hacks or something, right? Because there's some shenanigans oh. involved. Um, yeah, they would, they should definitely test it first. I mean, it kind of makes you wonder like, what if you kill the duplicate? Can you harvest its soul? Can he soul scape the duplicate and like, you know, get all of those juicy points out of it? Um, oh, damn. If the duplicate, does the duplicate have unicorn bones in his ribs? Just like June does. Cause that'd be a way to duplicate stuff. Um, yeah. We need testing. That, yeah, we really do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> This works out great. Amarillis tries it on, and she's like, "Okay, well, I'm going to go do all the uh, the planning business for like I think my own court case and some some of the, the stuff for your um, like I'll, I'll do some thinking about your your fight uh, duplicate Amarillis. You go off with June, and you guys plan like just for the fight stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, being able to divide your attention this way, and at the end of the day, you know, there's no like, well, I'm the real Steven because the real Steven has the bracelet, um, mm-hmm. and you don't. Like you have the option to just meld at the end, and so there yeah. there actually is like no loss. Yeah, yeah. This is outstanding. It's, it's um, yeah, fucking amazing. I think I, that I, uh, as much as I was saying earlier, I would love to have um the the dual track mind thing that he was doing. This is like ten times better because there's there's literally two of you. Yeah, it was amazing. I think that there was a uh, um oh yeah. Amaryllis looks at it. She says, you can be in two places at once. Looking at the Entad with as close as I'd ever seen her come to lust. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm feeling mm-hmm. lust too. Like this thing is like cooler <laughs> than the time turner. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But um, so yeah, uh, the primary Amaryllis goes off and the two of them are left together. The one that's going to disappear. And she tells June that uh, primary Amaryllis doesn't have to know what happens between us. Uh, in fact, she expects us to maybe um, do stuff that you wouldn't do with her. So if there's any conversations that you want to test out on me without risking problems with her, uh, or if you want to, me to give you advice on how to handle her, or literally anything better, anything that would be better with the two of you that had a trial run, do it now. If this is safe scumming for hard conversations. And, like, first of all, super fucking useful to have, I think, like... There's a lot of things in relationships where you're like, oh God, this would feel so much safer if I could test it out first because ah, like I, there's there's never been a relationship I've been in where I didn't wish I had this at some point. But but then I got to thinking about it and like 
kind of that would strip the other person of too much humanity, I think, for them to like remain an interesting partner afterwards. Like, I almost feel like that would break the game. Like when you, you know, put in God mode on basically any game ever. And, and it would also betray that you don't fully trust the other person as well, which I mean, I guess no one ever fully trusts anyone, but the whole process of having these conversations and not getting burned and getting slightly closer to more trusty is, is part of what makes relationships interesting, right? Yeah, this this is like a really fun problem to kind of noodle because like I I think it would be awesome. You know, like there are, there are some things where it's like, you know, like hypothetically, you, you love somebody, you're super into them and you are willing to, you know, you, you want to be with them forever. Um, but you're also like maybe a little curious if they're into this weird sex thing that you're like, you might be into, but like, you know, you don't live for. So like, you're not... Mm-hmm. You know, you could totally go your life without doing it. And you're just like, you know, hey, shot in the dark, but are you into this? You know, you don't want to risk blowing up the relationship over it. But if you could do it risk-free, you know, that, that actually sounds kind of perfect. Uh, yeah. But also, like, hopefully eventually you get to the point where you trust them enough that you think you can ask something like that and it won't nuke the relationship. If they're just like, oh, yeah, no, that's kind of weird. I'd rather not. And you're like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the tough part that kind of makes it interesting because, like... I guess the way that I was thinking about it was just putting the, the bracelet on the other wrist to, so to speak, like mm. I, I would put this on and let like my wife ask me whatever she wanted. Right. Absolutely. I would too. Well, so then, then that's, you're saying like it strips the other person too much humanity. I think that as long as you're up for it, then, then there's no humanity to be stripped. Like Amaryllis knew what she, exactly what she was doing when she sent off B. Marillus or Simarillus to go talk with June. Right. Like th- th- this, uh, Simarillus didn't have these thoughts in the last couple of hours by herself. Um, right. Yeah. No. This was Amaryllis knew before she even did this that this that this would be a good idea. Yeah. So I I don't know. Um, if the other person's okay with it, I don't see how it can. You know, they they. I don't I don't see where there'd be a, a moral problem with it. Um, I don't think there would be a moral problem. I just think from a game theoretic perspective, it might make the relationship less fun and um, less emotionally fulfilling. Like if you could do it all the time, um, like uh, the, the cage movie next where mm-hmm. he can see two minutes into the future. And if he, if he just did that all the time, that actually be kind of bullshit. Cause then, then, then you're just, uh, you are saves coming your entire life and you're doing everything optimally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, that wouldn't be fair, but this would be like a, Hey, how about once every couple of years we, spend a, a weekend away and we each take turns wearing this and um we get to you know have a zero stakes no uh restrictions no concerns conversation right i don't know the more you say the, the more you talk about it the less into it i am i i think it'd be fun and then it gave me the other idea of course too that like uh the other way to have this kind of conversation is just to take mdma or something right um right, the reason yeah. you don't do that all the time is because it's exhausting and not good for your brain. But if you were duplicated, uh, well, then one of you would have to... You, you need two of these bracelets. The duplicates go off. They they roll. They have a great time. 12 hours later, they're a wreck and tired. And then they merge back into you, and you just get the memory of it, none of the physical problems. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this That seems like a... You could have a much simpler NTAD if that was your goal. Just like the NTAD of purging bad MDMA effects out of your body afterwards. Well, he had the 
the Liar's Cup tattoo, but he went and got Skin and Magic excluded. So, um, oh man, everyone's gonna go to a Leo to trip now, right? <laughs> it's gonna be like the Burning Man of Arab. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, maybe I, I was uh, distracted because I accidentally hit my desk, and I still think that these that this bracelet's an awesome idea, and I think that as long as the, both people are aware of what they're getting into, like I, I agree that it would be nice to have that level of like uh directness with your partner all the time and mm. you know i think i mean there's nothing that i wouldn't talk about with with my partner it's just like i don't know it would be some things would be awkward some things would be awkward and mm. you know others would just be like you know again no stakes i'm just curious and then this way it doesn't have to like be a thing you know mm. um, yeah I, I think that i don't i don't see the downside the more i think about it the more i think that as tempting and awesome as this seems it would actually be horrible in real life and would kill things so i i'm glad we don't have it because it would suck the like risk and fun out of it and the ability to build trust yeah well i think if you use it all the time you know i mean you would you would save up the really risky things for when you can use the entad and then what what's the point between you know using it all the time and just waiting once every two years to do that all right what if you got to use it once I think that sounds fair. I don't know. I'm I'm still like... I mean, no one's going to make you. Maybe. The thing is, no, the, yeah, the, if you're the, not cool with it, if you put the bracelet on, your duplicate wouldn't be cool with it either, right? I, I like, I'm trying to think, like, what if I murdered somebody or, or accidentally killed somebody or something, and I wanted to use this to, like, test if the other person would be cool with helping me move the body or if I should <laughs> keep it a secret from them. But, like, even then, I'm, I'm like, eh. yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's a good thought experiment. Which I mean, how fun! The, the, you know, this is kind of like you know, this might be kind of just drive by, throw away entad, but this is actually a really interesting. You know, this hits the transporter problem. This hits uh, some like dignity and identity problems. This is a really just kind of genius intuition pump of a of an of a plot device. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Would you say you, would you say you loved it like a sister? <laughs> oh, it's a great segue. Uh, so June tells Simmerless that I love you like a sister, and she asks, "Like a sister you want to have sex with?" I know that's a thing on Earth. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. That is what happens when your only exposure to Earth sex is from porn. Poor Amaryllis. She's been ruined by the internet. <laughs> yes, you know it's it's funny because like. Uh, I I don't think he's being honest with that answer. I think he loves her like a good friend. And, you know, if the friend suddenly was like, you know, I'm actually super into this and I, I'm, I'd really be down for the D, he'd be like, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. But like if your actual yeah, sister yeah. told you that, you'd be like, ooh, gross, no. delete my phone number. Right. right? What happened to um, you? Exactly. Yeah. So I I think that this is his way of like still trying to keep her at arm's reach. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. The She, she um, has a guess as to what the most attractive thing that he thinks, what what he think, what the most attractive thing is for him, and uh, it's shape changing genitals is her guess. Sorry, really like, quick, oh. can we put a pin in the, her first guess? I mean, the fuck is she talking oh, yeah. about? I, I maybe uh, maybe I'm you know blissfully unaware of some dark corners of the internet, but I don't think I am. I've 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 taken my my uh, spelunkings into the dark corners of the, of the internet, like. He mentioned that flesh.txt that he created, so maybe there was some of that written in uh, 
in that text file of his. Right, but like shape changing genitals, just like what, like a dick that gets bigger uh, uh, upon telepathic command. I have I, honestly, I don't know. Maybe it's like a vagina that starts changing to weird shapes or whatever. Balloon animals, like I, I don't know. Okay. She didn't. She didn't ex, ex, to get more explicit. Okay, yeah. So I guess I was curious if this was like a thing. I had no idea that actually existed, or if this was a thing that kind of nobody knows what she's talking about. I mean, I certainly don't, but I haven't been to all the dark, dark darkest reaches of the internet. Somebody's going to send us links that we probably don't want to click. <laughs> <laughs> If any listener sends us links, please at least let us know beforehand that these are links we might not want to click. Yeah. I feel like if this was the kind of thing I wanted to see, I would have found it by now. But who knows? In the words of uh, the Dean from Community, I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. Uh, (laughs) Okay. I thought you were going to quote one of his other ones where, like, gay does not even begin to expand (laughs) on what I am. Right. (laughs) That was such a good line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, June says the thing I find most attractive is desire. And I'm thinking like, come on, Amaryllis, if you were watching earth porn, you really should have picked up on that, especially considering like how smart and observant she is. I don't know if maybe like she was testing him or something or, or maybe just like the asexual thing got in the way. So she didn't pick up on that. Well, now I feel like I have spent time in darker corners in there than you, but I don't know what kind of porn you watch, but like, I'm pretty sure consent is not like a major component of the majority of porn. Um, well, I'm, I, I'm not I saying like I'm not, not like I'm not ex- saying non-consent is um, yeah, no, excuse me, necessi- consent uh, desire, right? No, desire is a like huge part of it. Really? As far as I can tell, the one of the biggest parts of porn is the chick being like, "Oh my god, I want the D so much!" Right? Oh, like I need that D now. Yeah, I guess no shit. That's obviously why that's like such a big market because guys don't get that in real life and they go to the internet for it. Yeah. yeah why was I thinking that this wasn't a major component? Uh, and yeah, what did so you think it is? You don't notice? Like, I don't know. In, in her defense, she only gets prints out, printouts of the internet. So, oh, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, no doubt she's seen her share of nudie mags, but I don't quite know how that would translate to like what your interpretation of it is of internet porn. But no, 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 you're you're totally right. And like, I guess, yeah, I, I haven't really seen any VHS porn. Maybe it's not as big a thing in VHS porn or something. Oh, that's right. They could also get DVDs and, and stuff, uh, or I guess VHS tapes. Um, yeah. Yeah. No doubt she got some instructional videos, uh, <laughs> you know, just for science. Yeah, um, of course. But I, I agree with June. Being lusted after is tight. And Hell yeah. Amaryllis doesn't quite get it. She says, your fetish is consent. Right. And he's like, it's not a, it's like, no, it's not a fetish. That's like, that's totally the wrong word. You know, consent mm-hmm. is like, permission and i'm like come on amaryllis you know the amaryllis who was willing to endure sex with june was consenting and that yeah. that is the opposite of sexy exactly yeah yeah and as and, and she tries to be extra sexy right here by saying we could try having sex <laughs> yeah we, we have about 15 minutes left for interpersonal stuff maybe it wouldn't be so bad great give us 13 minutes to cuddle um yeah right I mean, obviously, this is my first thought when she brought up the conver- when the conversation kind of went this direction. But I don't want to sound like a pervert and suggest the idea. Um, but he's like, "Yeah, but you don't really want to." And she says, "Well, uh, no, I have about as much desire to have sex with you as I do to lick the inside of my elbow." And for some reason, that hurts only a little less than saying she had endured it. Right? right? Like it's a funny example, but she could have just I don't know said like, you know, I. I 
I have it. It's not something I've ever really, I don't particularly want to know, you know? Um, yeah. But no, like into my elbow, it's like, I, I kind of want to try. I, well, I can do it, but it's like, you know, <laughs> it I doesn't I don't, feel like much of anything. And I don't really want to. So I, I, I get what she's saying, but it's just like, oh yeah. Then, then of course she, she really doesn't lay on the sexy talk. She says, we can set aside some time for it. And you can knock yourself out. <laughs> like, oh baby, that sexy talk is such a turn on. <laughs> Oh yeah, she she uh, just, she's missing a couple of key components of like I think I think that I mean if she does get a lot of her how desire works from porn then it is just about like you know the tits and you know whatever so right, she's yeah. thinking well the tits will be there I'm gonna just I'm gonna be thinking about something else and right. she doesn't understand like how like desire actually works and he's like yeah. no I tits aside I want you to actually be into it right. Right, I want you to want me to touch the tits. Right, yeah. they do make out though. They do, and he asks if she likes it afterwards, and uh, she says yes. And couldn't you tell? And her f- face is flushed, and her lips are fuller, and uh, like it just sounds like she actually was really getting into it. And I don't know, maybe she was wrong about being asexual. Is that the thing that could happen? Or, or just maybe the DM is messing around and changing her, which I think is also a thing that can happen. I mean, I hope it's not the second one, um, but it's distinctly plausible. Uh, like when they first kiss, he's like, I was worried it'd be awkward, but in fact, it was perfect. I'm like, kind of could have guessed that because the DM yeah. shaped her perfectly to be your perfect match, um, which just makes the whole but thing like, kind of weird. But like, she's into it. Like she has all the physical the physical marks of being aroused and and then she says yes and he is surprised that he couldn't tell well i think he was understandably curious you know just wanting to verify right but oh yeah like if, if i would have also wanted to verify if someone that said they were asexual seemed to be getting turned on by something yeah you know i i think this is kind of like maybe a the dean uh from community just like you know, she talked about it like, oh, the, you know, maybe it would fix me. But like, she's not broken. That's not the way to think about it. But it could just be like, you know, make her realize like, oh, yeah, that actually was fun. And, you know, she mentioned like one foray into like a misadventure with masturbation or something, right? In her journal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's possible she's never had an orgasm and she's going to have one. She's like, actually, yeah, that's a lot of fun. We should do that more often, right? <laughs> um, it could be. But there's not, there's not like a romance component to it, but just a like, this is fun. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know enough about, uh, asexual or aromantic, um, dispositions. I mean, I like to, to call them like sexual orientations cause it's kind of like a lack of one. Um, mm-hmm. but no, like, I think a lack of one still counts as an orientation. Just like not collecting stamps as a hobby. Um, well, I do think that atheism is a religious position. <laughs> valid. Uh, well, valid for the sake of consistency. Um, okay. but and, you know, because it is talking about one thing, not like every hobby in the world, right? Um, yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know enough about that circumstance to, to relate to, but um, I think it's... I don't either. I really would like to see a, like a reaction video of something like with an asexual listening to us and being like, oh my God, these guys don't fucking get anything at all. Well, in fairness, if you are listening and thinking that, like we aren't exposed to it. That's not how our brains worked. And as far as I know, I don't know anyone who operates that way. Um, I would be curious as to, yeah, the, the opinion yeah. on, uh, on this. Yeah. It, I guess it might be, you know, borderline offensive if someone is asexual and they see this and they're like, oh yeah, of course everyone always says, well, you're just, you just haven't found the right person. Maybe that's something these people hear all the time. Right. 
Uh, right. And this might be, yeah, another one of those trending in that direction. She just hadn't found June. Yeah. But I mean, again, the DM might be fucking with things. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, too, is like, there's no way Alexander is not aware of that that circumstance. If he's writing an asexual character, like he's he's got some familiarity with the subject. So if he's doing that, it's on purpose. And so we don't get to call him, you know, like, we don't get to say he's not paying attention or something, right? Um, I mean, I I would guess that if he has this character in here, either he's done a ton of research or he literally knows somebody personally in his life who's asexual. And like, maybe there's some people that they do like kissing. And I don't, I I just don't know about that. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I had a a brief concern that she was like lying about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But the more I thought about it, there's no benefit that would come from it. In fact, that kind of defeats the purpose of like being here to do the honest thing. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to send June back to Primarillus with a false idea, right? Right. That's yeah. that's not the kind of thing that Amarillus would do to herself. That's the kind of thing Pansy Parkinson would do to herself. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we know a little bit about Amarillus, which is why we were making these speculations. But how? what do we know about onions? Not enough. <laughs> okay. Let's go to chapter 190, to no one's onions. I love this so much. <laughs> <laughs> So June Swift, basically they're told at the very beginning that uh, that the duel is in six hours. And he's like, fucking seriously? And Rosemary gets upset about him for swearing and like he swears some more. She says, this is your final warning about swearing. And I was like, or what, bitch? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? I, you know, honestly, that duplication bracelet makes me think that she's packing some serious firepower. Yeah, she might be. I mean, this is also her house. Maybe she can you know, tell the walls to crush him or something. I don't know. But, um, I mean, probably she could just tell them to leave her house and then, you know, they'd be out where they could get arrested or something. That too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, the, and like last chapter there, he's like, he's 60. Like he's like incredulous that like, they're worried about this. And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be fine. What you guys are being crazy. Like mm-hmm. he's old. I'm going to fucking crush this. This is, this won't even be fair. And <laughs> what I love about it, even though like what, you know, the fight goes and it, and it gets kind of, you know, uh, touch and go there for a minute. The whole time I have that vibe of like when Harry is, I can't remember exactly when he's thinking about it, but he's, Oh yeah. Him versus Voldemort, but he's got the, the scientific method and combine that with some guns and muggle rocket launchers. And the fight would be completely one-sided, which is exactly how he likes it. Right. Mm, that's exactly yeah. that's 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 june's vibe here the entire time and it's basically spot on mm-hmm. you know it sure onion's cheating enough to make the fight hard but it's like it's still just it's basically a stomp against like the strongest person that they, that he's ever fought in single combat i mean it's it's not a total stomp like it's still like you said kind of touch and go in some places he has to think hard he has to be like quick and good but so it's a challenge but yeah, yeah, he 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 kicks his ass. You're right. I, I guess what I was thinking was more like the energy walking into the fight. And okay, yeah, yeah, and but I he, he never quite like he never quite lets go of the fun. I think you're right. Maybe part of it, especially when he loses an arm, maybe he gets more serious. But um, mm. uh, I did have to point out that I did think of the idea of a super soaker when they were talking about acid before they mentioned it. Nice. And I was glad that they that they ended on the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, of course, all the good assets will eat through it. But you guys will think of something. And they do. And it's fucking awesome. And I love it. Um, Hell yeah. Although, I mean, there's also the time where they get into the parry-off. And he loses the parry-off. And, like, it, it, it's obvious he can't just rely on his skills and virtues to win this thing. He's got to actually put in some serious effort. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and we'll talk about this, you know, as we get into some of the details of his fight. But... 
like, you know, other than recapping how amazing it was, I'm not sure, you know, like we could do a play by play, but I, I don't think that's going to be all that much fun audio, but the, yeah. like, you know, like for, for example, that parry off where he loses, like, mm-hmm. I think it's just because someone has to win. Right. Mm-hmm. And so again, if you just think of it in dice throws, like, all right, we've got to pick a winner and yes, you guys' boosts keep meaning this, but ah, oh, look, finally, one of you guys rolled low, but by the end of it, they're like, they're breaking the sound barrier with how fast they're going. And yeah. uh, I, I guess I'm also curious if onion actually has the virtues just like June does. Uh, I think he, he's absolutely does. Like I was kind of, I, I wasn't surprised by this at first because I didn't think about it either. But like once June went in there and he was surprised that he, uh, he had all the virtues, I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. Well, duh, of course, because like, you saw Quills way back in the day do the blade bound stuff, and then when you got your skills up higher, you got the virtues that Quills was showing off. So obviously the blade bound thing is it's just these virtues without the game layer. Like he he should have suspected that uh, he was way too you know overconfident from the very beginning, like even before he started putting the skills in. But if he hadn't been so overconfident, he totally would have figured out before he ever went in the rink that. Uh, or the ring, I'm not sure which one it is, that um, Onion has all these same virtues too, because he's also blade-bound, and he's the world's best blade-bound, so he's got to have all of these. I am inclined to agree, except for, like, I'd have to go back and look at all the virtues again, but um, not just these ones, because I did look, I did relook at these, but, uh, for example, the, the virtue for Still Magic 100, you can pause all game mechanics. Mm-hmm. Like, I sort of doubt that's what the average muggle gets. When I mean, I guess the average Mongol doesn't get to still magic 100, but if they did... That's what I was about to say. Like, even Falter wasn't at 100 in uh, Soul Magic, and he'd been doing it for, what, two, three hundred years? Sure, but he was level appropriate for June, right? Yeah, that's true. If they if they rescued him later, he would have been a higher level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess, like, what would, what would it mean to say, like, yes, your game mechanics do this? I guess... It would mean that if he used Soulscapism to boost his abilities above their their cap, they wouldn't degrade over time. And that would be a thing that he would discover as a soul mage. Like, oh, that's interesting. Now that I'm this powerful, the skills that I steal don't slowly bleed away anymore. That's awesome. I'm a badass. Yeah, I suppose I suppose you're right. It's interesting because like, even the Scapism thing sounds like a perk that no one else has ever gotten in the history of forever. Because that's the sort of thing that no, you, he... you would immediately do and become God. Well, he, I'm pretty sure Falter actually talks about this, or someone talks about it, about how um, the souls of the dead were used um, in a way that like hollowed them out to to let other. I think it was Falter specifically said it that uh, he could steal the skills of dead people. I thought that that's, that's kind of how he described like um, bone magic working. Yeah, but like he said something about doing it more directly uh, once he was a powerful enough soul. Oh, mage. I think you're right. But then that would mean that Falter could do that. Yeah, and didn't. How many dead people did he have in that jail? Well, he, he had 20 that weren't dead that very easily could have been. Well, sure, but he wanted some minions. And, you know, more to the point, he didn't have soul level 100 yet. So if he did soul scapism, those points would bleed away again until he got back to his regular skill. I'm just so thinking, it wouldn't be nearly as useful for him. He must have been in prison because he wanted to be there, though. Like, Well, that too, yeah, seemed like a thing. Yeah, okay, I'm saying, like, you killed those 20 people and you, you know, Uther Pendrag your way through the walls on your way out. And yeah. then whatever, then you're free. Um, oh, also onion looks like he's in his twenties. Uh, yeah. When they show up, what, what's your, going what's it? your guess for that? 
maybe it was the thing that he wore with the three gems on it that like also reverts you to peak physical condition and gives you three lives. Like, I don't know. It could have been lots of things, right? Oh, that's a good, um, yeah. See, I thought that maybe he was a soul mage himself. Um, but I think, I think turning back to an earlier version of your body is actually hard and you'd have to be a really good soul mage to do that. Um, yeah, but you're right. If the because the the armor seems to be like you put this on and you're your best version of yourself, including having all of your fingers, uh, yeah. and and in no way annihilated. So uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, maybe when you're wearing it, you're just peak physical condition. Um, but God, it's you know we don't have to go through the the virtues. He he, he maxes out dodge, heavy armor, one handed, two handed, throwing weapons, and then as we learn when he enters his final form, um, the unarmed virtues too. And mm-hmm. like, I, there's two I want to hit. One is the, uh, um, is it thrown weapons? Yeah, uh, thrown weapons fifty ricochet. You can. <laughs> I read this to my wife and asked her. I was like, "This sounds familiar." Um, you can bounce thrown weapons off surfaces without respect to normal physics up to three times in a row. Weapons bounced in this way do not have to follow the angles direct dictated by physics. The weapon does not lose speed, and you do not need to have clear sight to secondary surfaces or the target. Attacks made this way provide a 10% surprise bonus to attack because this is stupid and should not work. <laughs> <laughs> the great fucking line. This, yeah. this is Captain America's shield. It, I mean, if you're of an age, even before that, you are Xena's chakram. That too. I, which I think I recall the highest uh, ricochet count off a chakram that still got a kill was 13, 14. But uh, I could be wrong. Well, that sounds like more than more than, than this would allow, and more than I think Cat yeah. ever did. Um, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there there was one Groundhog Day episode where she had to fling her chakram from across the ta- uh, across one village to the other end of the village, and it like bounces off so many ridiculous things before it finally hits the guy at the end. It was it was great, but you know, she had Groundhog Day to practice it forever. There's so. a Groundhog Day Xena episode. There. So every single thing that uh, was in production at the time Groundhog Day was made uh, had a Groundhog Day episode because <laughs> everyone was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's just like when Memento was uh, when Memento came out, everything that had was in production at the time had a backwards going episode. Hmm. I need to find this episode of uh, Xena Warrior Princess. It's not the greatest one. Eh, still, though, any combat based Groundhog Day sounds fun. OK. And did we check? Did, you saw Happy Death Day, right? Uh, no, I saw Palm Springs. Oh. I should have seen Happy Death Day. Oh, I will see that. Palm one. Springs is fun, but Happy Death Day is uh, funny. I can just do. You want me to tell you what the? Well, she. It's in the trailer. She gets killed I, at the end of every. Did I ruin it? Sorry. Are you going to say? No, no, it's this, no, no, no. It's a serial uh, serial killer one, right? Yeah, but okay, yeah. You know that is all I know about it. Yeah, and that yeah, she dies. Uh, but like, unlike most of them, where it's like if you make it to midnight or whatever, you know, then that's when you like you wake up back in bed. Mm-hmm. It's just when she gets murdered. <laughs> um, okay, so thrown weapons, ricochet, and then total commitment. Um, I don't bother reading the whole thing. Point is, if you can, you get to uh, to two handed weapon. Uh, if you basically charging up an attack, basically, yeah, for two minutes, and you can fight during it, but you can't do anything else, um, mm-hmm. including you can't dodge, uh, you can't talk, um, which is important because he could have been charging it you know, the entire time walking out into the field or like into the, mm-hmm. into the ring, but he wouldn't have been able to, <laughs> to taunt him. Yeah. So he didn't. This was very important. <laughs> <laughs> but he could have walked out there and just blown him to a thousand pieces with his first throw. And it would have been so fucking cool. Um, 
he he was very sure that he was gonna win this without much trouble. <laughs> so he's like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna taunt the fucker first. Amaryllis, don't get cocky. Don't talk to him. Don't do anything but kill him as quickly and efficiently as safely as you can." And he's just mm-hmm. last thing of hamming it up for the crowds, you know, get them to make some noise, <laughs> clown around a bit, give them a show. <laughs> Would have been some awesome WWF stuff right there. <laughs> He says, son, you're like, I'm not even going to kill you. I was going to make you a vegetable for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, You think that vegetable means brain dead on Arab too? I probably, yes. I hope so. (laughs) The fact that he's onion is, yeah. I want the joke to work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah. But, yeah, as, as he's going through these virtues, it's great. At the end, he's like, my blade, infinitely sharp. My armor, inviolable. My dick, thick and dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had the song going through my head until, you know, he stepped into the ring. So that was great. There's a song with that lyric? Yes. Huh. It, it, oh, God, maybe I shouldn't have included it in here. It's by Mickey something. The name of the song is My Dick. And it is, it, it's got a very simple, uh, very simple structure. It's always two lines. The first two words of the first line is my dick. And he says something short about how great is dick. The second line starts with the two words, your dick. And he says something awful about how shitty your dick is, you know? <laughs> this sounds hilarious. And just, and just repeats over and over. Yeah, it's great. I think the, the, this particular uh, couplet was my dick, thick and dangerous, your dick, uh, thin and painless. My dick, sick and dangerous, your dick, quick and painless. I think, I, I, first of all, that's hilarious. And sick burn. And second of all, I think we found our, our intro music for this episode. <laughs> Perhaps. And if not, someone can, can go to YouTube and find it. Um, yeah. All right. So, yeah, just he walks out. Onion's so completely fucked. And it's just mm. so he's like, no, I'm gonna, I'll wing, wing my sword at the ceiling. It'll ricochet and just come down and cut him in half. Um, <laughs> yeah. But to June's credit, um, he comes out and... Uh, immediately like goes in straight for the kill he just like two hands you know yeets his sword at at onion full power um Mm -hmm. so as much as he was gonna you know talk about having a good time he did try to kill him immediately Mm -hmm. so good for him yeah the and and it doesn't work that's when he starts realizing oh shit this might be a bit harder than i thought it would oh this is gonna be a fight yeah um oh real quick before we start this uh, near the beginning of the whole, uh, not the, whole, the beginning of the fight, uh, he he thinks about um, uh, blood sports in Arab now. Uh, revision mages could make them non-lethal. Um, matches were much more sporting than in the past, with a lot of exploitive elements stripped away. Um, and he says there were some murmurings about stopping them altogether, which were usually shouted down by people who didn't understand why a long-standing institution should ever change. And it sounds like that from from that line that June is. Um, pro getting rid of blood sports altogether but like is there any reason to get rid of blood sport between consenting adults once it's like this safe and you can literally revision the thing away um i mean it's barbaric and stupid there's lots of things that are barbaric and stupid but like not even being hurt after you're done like we still have mma fights i you know how barbaric and stupid they are is up for debate but like imagine mma fights except at the end of the fight, no one is injured at all because you just revise away all the injury and all you have is, you know, the record of the cool fight and who's the better fighter. Yeah. It says that revision mages could make the fights non-lethal. I don't know if that they actually usually use them in these things. Um, 
well, okay, make a law so that you can't have the lethal blood sports unless there's a revision mage to make it non-lethal. Yeah, in that case, it's kind of really hard to see the problem. Like, right, you know, that's what I was thinking. I, you know, there's something more sporting that it seems like to me about like football and MMA fighting. Um, but like with so- something just when, you know, Oh my God, I, picture... can you imagine like even like on a football match, if someone like tears their knee, their career is over basically, plus possibly crippled and just always have a revision mage on the sidelines. And if something like that happens, the play stands, but the player gets revised. So they aren't fucked. Like this would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I the only thing I can think of is some argument from, you know, virtue where like a good society wouldn't indulge in the sort of, you know, um, crass conduct, but that's stupid bullshit. If no one's hurt, do what you want. I mostly agree. I do. I do think that there are like things where quote, nobody gets hurt unquote, but like is actually would make a worse world or like make people worse in it. Um, yeah. But I don't know if this would be one of those. Cause yeah, you got two consenting adults. Um, this isn't like a, you know, throwing people in to fight two lions and they get a stick and then sure yeah. we, we, we rewound it. So it's no big deal. It's like, yeah, but you still tortured that guy. Right. Uh, but yeah, if the person says, I want to see if I can do it, throw me in there with a stick. I can see if I can kill two lions. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then that's I, different. I'm not going to get his way. <laughs> He's yeah. clearly insane, but also he, he, he's made his own judgment. So, yeah. So I, I'm really curious. You have now piqued my curiosity. Um, what is one of the things that you think might be where you know people say nobody gets hurt, and yet it might be bad to have? Oh, IRL. Um, I'd have to think of it. I like I didn't have one locked and loaded. I just I, I okay, in theory there could be something like that. Yeah, I'll see if anything comes to me before I totally lose the train of thought. But like. Um, I, I think I have heard people mention sex work before that per, per, perfectly consenting legal sex work might still be um, harmful on met in despite the fact that the people participating in it aren't harmed. And I don't, I don't agree with that personally, but like I've heard that said before. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that either just because, you know, I mean, we kind of have like proof it's, it's been a thing forever and we're still all here and we're doing kind of okay. Um, mm-hmm. maybe you turn that up to 11, like Westworld, um, you know, you have what to all intents and, and, uh, visible outward appearance seem like screaming, protesting humans and yeah. you're raping and murdering them. Um, yeah. I think that I'd you're a bad you person up. doing that. Like, I don't think, I don't think yeah. that a good person can go have a fun weekend in Westworld. Uh, right. well, not doing it that way. You could do other stuff, right? You could play cowboy. That sounds fun. Um, but doing, doing the, the really sinister shit, like, I could see a good a good argument for like saying, yeah, we're not going to allow making robots like that because we don't want people to be desensitized to that sort of uh, you know protestations and noises from actual humans who are indistinguishable right. from these robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, if you came across a, another guest at Westworld and you're you're attacking them, uh, how would you? Know? You wouldn't even know, right? Yeah, yeah. It's fucked up. It is okay. So that that might be an, an idea. Um, okay, but so this is great. June is trope savvy, and Onion is cliched as fuck, but he's badass enough to get away with it. Kind of like Quirrell, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but he's just like, yeah, for one, it's like to wonder what it's like to those insects out there. This display of skills so far beyond their understanding of the art that they're like illiterates holding a book club. <laughs> June, well, it's good to know you have layers. <laughs> And he, his only regret is that his helm hides a shit-eating grin, but you know, he gets a high five from me for it. Um, nice. But then, 
uh, Onion, well, it's time to get serious. And he switches his sword arm from his right to his left hand. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I laughed. Me too. It was great. Uh, I'm like, okay, he's a chick and I'm eager to see him die, but you know that was cool yeah the cliche that he called that june calls him out on is actually badass um mm-hmm. and then june was like what's next you know a big reveal that the sword was actually some super special sword forged by blah 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 <laughs> and yeah the next thing out of his mouth he's this sword once belonged to uther pendrag <laughs> <laughs> oh it was fantastic oh yeah and so the the cheat of this thing is that it can duplicate any sword any entad sword in proximity and so mm-hmm. as june guesses correctly it's you know he probably put hundreds within range of this thing yeah and so, so everybody and that's you know on his side stand by somewhere maybe they have to be in the courtroom but there's got to be dozens of people on his side in the courtroom right yeah but i mean you know there's no reason that he couldn't have like underneath flox's desk you know or whatever oh you're right just an entire crate of them yeah just just you know ignore those three boxes in the corner um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the impression that he has lots. Uh, mm-hmm. So June eventually does get to charge up his ultimate attack, and mm-hmm. it says the attack took a sliver of a fraction of a second, not even long enough to properly appreciate. But as I watched it back in my in as I watched it back in my mind's eye, his body ripped apart, flying in different directions, properly obliterated. I could see the attack I'd somehow made, an impossibly perfect strike with the weight of the world behind, a transcendental moment of godhood, no more complete mastery of the blade in history. I savored it, even as I started to awe at the pieces of onion, even as I stared in awe at the pieces of onion falling to the ground. Yeah, that's such a good description. It doesn't even quite tell you what it does, but you don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, it obliterates him. Who yeah. cares? Like, you know, it yeah. did the anime thing. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I moved the screen, you know, went like, you know, away from the action for a second and then it went back to him and he's exploded. Um, <laughs> it, God, it was awesome. Um, and then this fucking cheater, which then he started to come back together. <laughs> it was fantastic. Oh man. This is not even my final form, but it does burn through one of the, uh, so the three glowy bits on its armor, are life yes. bars or like you know um uh yeah. basically it? life bars yeah sekiro had this where they had a life bar but then they had next you know like the bosses had um next to their life bar orange or red circles and mm-hmm. if you took down the life bar all the way well you got rid of one of those circles and you go for it again um mm-hmm. it's like that but minus the life bar and it's some chicanery i mean i <laughs> it's an tab. they're all chicanery i know but you know this this is a contest of uh, you know, who who will win a sword fight, right? And it's like, well, I did. You're dead. <laughs> like, you know, I I get it. It's Entads, and uh, they don't want the defendant to win, so they they're not going to exactly push the point. But as far as I'm concerned, any any unbiased judge would be like, yes, June bested him in single combat. But it's not just single combat. It's single combat plus two Entads. Mm. And so far, he's only been using one Entad. Who Onion? Yeah. I mean, his yeah. All he, he was only using the sword, and like this is his second entad coming into play. Well, I think the the thing also puts him in peak, peak physical condition, like you said. But you're right; it, oh, yeah. it does. You know, the the big power is that it doesn't matter how dead you are; it makes you undead. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he couldn't have been deader. He was exploded, uh, <laughs> right? And June was like, "I won, you fuck." And <laughs> <laughs> that was great. But uh, we, he's going to have to find some way to uh, solve this problem. And how does he solve it? 
through chapter 199 using overwhelming violence. Oh, that was perfect. I, I should have helped lead that. Sorry. Yeah. Nailed it. All good. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He gets the, the three life bars. And he, June says, okay, well, I'm not going to use the ultimate attack again. Um, and I'm wondering why wasn't he powering up another total commitment? Because it seemed to have worked the first time. Oh, yeah. He, June, I don't know. I don't remember his, his, his exact phrasing. It's that he wasn't doing it and he was hoping that Onion was preparing for it. The virtue says that you can only do it once a week. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I overlooked that then. But, Never mind. But I mean, that's fair. There were 30 virtues we read in these two chapters. So. Um, yeah yeah the so but you know th- this is obviously cheating right so i'm uh, cheating well, hold on a sec which part because like the ultimate attack is also cheating it's an instant win <laughs> it's not cheating when june does it <laughs> <laughs> it's totally cheating uh, they, they they're both cheating it's who can cheat better fine but <laughs> i i uh i i okay so at least he used a sword right he, he was he yeah. was fighting him, but it's like, all right, if you're, if you're going to fuck around, so will I. And then he was at a super soaker full of like, insert super dangerous acid that catches fire with literally anything. It's fucking awesome stuff. So awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it creates the fumes of uh, chlorine gas, which, you know, deadly gas. And uh, he says there were fumes in the air already seeing my eyes. I was trying my best to avoid the smoke. I idly hoped that the audience sitting above him, which I'd been completely ignoring, had adequate defenses against what we were throwing around. And I was just wondering, why does he care? Like, they're pen drags. He wanted to kill all of them anyway. Why, why is he suddenly worried about them now? I mean, you know, some of them were nice. Lissy, the guy who, you know, said, yes, they're technically married. Amaryllis is watching. I, I thought Amaryllis was down there with him. Or nearby with him. Uh, I'd, Not I'd wander the fuck out of here. I mean, the thing is, with some of these deflecting things, is like one of the virtues is like you can make something else the target instead of you. And yeah. like he should have been deflecting attacks right into like flocks, all the annoying people from the court. But uh, <laughs> cool. Or you know, some of them were like you can dodge in a way that like makes the attack hit somebody else if it's like it doesn't even have to be reasonably possible. Some that was mm-hmm. that was some of the text in some of them was like it doesn't have to be reasonable. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what the hell does that mean? Because it makes it sound like mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. Be like, oh, actually, you hit flocks with that. Sorry, uh, um, Onion. Yeah, you killed your wife. I mean, it basically sounds like you have the ability to schloss things in a very minor way. Yeah, which makes you think that whatever dodging virtues, at least, that June has, uh, Onion doesn't have those. Because he would have he would have had, you know, June cut Amaryllis in half. That's, I mean, no, that's a good point. He was really surprised by the dodge thing. I don't think dodge is included in the bladebound stuff. I think it's the the swordsmanship and the parrying, and so he probably didn't have any skill points in dodge. Yeah, or, or not more than the usual. Yeah, not much more than you get from just being a good sword fighter. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, so, uh, yeah, that he ends up killing um, Onion again with the. It's, it's just it's hilarious. He gets him with the acid gun, and it's just it's it's he's on fire, right? And not, not merely on fire, but like he's eating his armor, it's fucking him up. And he's he's got some frost sword to put out the fire, but June keeps throwing his sword at him, so he has to keep burying <laughs> it. And mm. it's just like, oh no, you don't. <laughs> just <laughs> and eventually he gets to him and he dies. It's great. Yeah. And uh, so when Onion comes back, he pulls out this rust sword, which anything it touches uh, rusts away. Um, and into just, I guess, nothingness. It, it destroys entads, basically. 
And uh, June's like, all right, well, fuck this. He takes off uh, he takes off his armor or he lets it rust off or something. He, he the, lets the sword rust. And he says, it seemed unfair that Onion was the only one to have multiple faces. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you have not yet seen my final form. Yes. And best thing is, his final form is like basically him fighting in his underwear, which is outstanding. <laughs> it, well, I mean, in his clothes. But yeah, he's doing the monk thing. Well, yeah, but I think he says something about like... Um, now you could see me because I was fighting and just like, uh, I forget. Oh, it was, um, yeah, the, his underclothes, whatever that is. Um, so, you know, whatever. It, the comfortable stuff you wear under armor. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking he should have just gone full nude. Like, <laughs> it, it would have been hilarious. And I'm pretty sure his magnum dong counts as an extra appendage you can fight with. <laughs> right. That would have been fantastic, swinging it around all helicopter style. Like, boom, hit you in the back of the head. Didn't think about that one. There's a real concern that uh, Onion cut his dick off, though. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, it'd probably grow back with the level, but uh, but but he didn't know he was, he was going to level at the end of this. And, well, even like if you you know you knew it would come back at the next level up, it, there's, I think there's still something visceral in your mind where it's like, I don't want my dick cut off. Kind of even if I know it'll be okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it would distract him from this fighting, but right. Onion just like goes at him with a flaming sword, and June just slaps it to the side, and mm-hmm. it's like just the shocked Pikachu face, and <laughs> and oh, one of the the unarmed virtues is that you get to punch the you get to strike directly at the soul, yeah, and so he punches him in the soul, and his arm goes dead, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What was that?" He's like, "I punched you. It's allowed by the rules. I checked." <laughs> Yeah, and he's still got the shit eating grin because like now he's winning, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's outstanding. Then of course Onion cuts one of his arms off, so they're even. But um, you know, it's it. This whole thing was just great. Yeah, I, I'm doing a lot of the talking here. I wanted. I know I didn't want to go on at too much length about it, but um, oh, it's okay. I was. I mean, I was doing a lot of talking earlier, so I think it all evens out. But yeah, it was it was a fantastic fight and he like shoots him with a uh, a sword gun rifle thing to to sear his arm off which was just really cool visual and and then June eventually like punches him in the head uh and does soul damage to his head and that kills him it's what's all, oh wait right before he actually kills him this was interesting um mm-hmm. Uh, Onion switches swords again. This time, what was clearly the flick oh, of yeah. blade, and he let the blade yeah. disappear as he swung at me. There was fuck all I could do about it, aside from trying to dodge, but I could tell that I wasn't fast enough. And right at the point when the hilt was pointed at my heart, nothing happened. I didn't tell him he yeah. tilted down as he looked at the sword, only for a moment, and that was when I struck, using my reigning hand to drive straight forward, fingertips all aligned right at his heart. Critical hit. Um, oh, it was his heart that he... I could have sworn it was his head that he hit. He might have hit his head for the first that. arm that he took out. Oh, okay, okay. Because what's hilarious here, uh, he, I think this takes out his other, like, deadens his other arm. Okay. And I was really hoping they're going to do, like, a Black Knight from Monty Python thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because apparently Onion tried to keep fighting right up until the very end. I killed him with yeah. a lightning quick punch. I'm like, what did he look like fighting with two Ace Ventura arms? But <laughs> <laughs> he was doing what he could, man. I, you know, never give up. Yeah, I guess. Um, but the, so the sword didn't work. I'm wondering how Amaryllis stopped him. Because she was clearly, mm. I think this this was her being involved. Yeah, this was the flicker blade. Like, maybe she was running away to get out of range as fast as she could and just happened to be across that threshold as he was swinging it. It could be that, but the moment was so advantageous that I think that she was waiting for him to use the flicker blade again so she could fuck him up, right? Mm-hmm. And 
but she doesn't have Sable, so it can't be that. Maybe there's another pocket dimension Entad they have. They probably have. Um, oh, but that's invested to uh, Yaro or Zinnia. But then again, she's dead. Uh, maybe Amaryllis inherited that purse, and oh. you know now that it's in extra dimensional space, he can't use it. So she's standing there waiting for him to use the flicker blade, and then throws it in her purse, and then like then hit the power of it is gone just in time to mm-hmm. you know, fuck him up. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he kills the dude and he only had three life bars, not four. I was, I thought it was going to be four. I mean, I thought so too, but it's also possible that since he was doing soul damage, even um, if the thing tried to bring him back, it couldn't bring back his soul. And so he died again anyway. That's what I was really stoked on. And you're right. I think that this <laughs> distinctly plausible. The thing is like, I would help, but there's nothing here to fix. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting no pointer exceptions left and right. Right. Oh man. So it was, it was awesome. And then at the very end, he levels up due to f- finishing the quest, um, helping Amaryllis take over the court. And uh, everyone sees, and these chapters were just badass. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, he get, he doesn't, uh, unfortunately, he doesn't finish the quest. He gets an update, which I think still gets um, progress. But Amaryllis oh, doesn't get her. finish? No, because she doesn't get her companion perk. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he did defeat Onion Pendrag, which I'm sure is worth lots of XP, so... Um, Hell yeah. God. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um great fight, a lot of fun. And you know, I think June had exactly like the right amount of fun. You know, he mm-hmm. was humbled enough to like, you know, where he doesn't just get to pretend he's hot shit, but like he actually is super hot shit and he never quite loses sight of that. So um mm-hmm. it was great. It was fantastic. I think I texted you at like midnight on Thursday. And I was like, oh, I forgot mm-hmm. what self-control was this week. <laughs> Just read all of it. Oh, no, I finished it at noon on, on Thursday, I remember. It was like during the workday. So it was like a nice. day and a half. And I did. And I was like, oh, yeah, I just burnt through this. I didn't pace myself at all. This sucks. Uh, <laughs> right. But I couldn't help it. This was just uh, riveting. Um, yeah. So the, the political ramifications from the level up are going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the one hand, they might try and charge it with like you had to disclose all magic or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to see like you can just demand trial by combat again, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, on the other hand, this is an unknown magic, and I think the Discord the Discord group brought this up as like an example of unknown magic or new magic because that was on the Uther list from the Dragon. Yeah, that level up thing. Yeah, so this is probably That's... Uh, yeah this this is a good candidate for that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they're gonna you know. They've they've heard Raven Masters talk this guy up. They saw him just ruin Onion, and mm-hmm. then they saw him glow gold and grow his arm back. And yeah. uh, they're this. I'm looking forward to what happens next. Hell yes, me too. Yeah. And we can find out what happens next when we read the next four chapters. Yay, one ninety two through one ninety five. And those chapters are. 192, Cooldown, 193, Coda 1, 194, Coda 2, and 195, Family. Hmm. Well, I don't know what Coda is referring to, so I got nothing there. Cooldown is obviously the aftercare from this awesome fight. Um, family. See, I, I kind of thought Cooldown might be like, well, you, you have cooldowns on abilities and games. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know, maybe... Maybe that becomes relevant in here. Yeah, that's that's where my mind went too. But I think that'll I think it'll function the same way. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's like, all right, this was awesome. Now we need to recharge. And a coda is like a final ending piece on a musical, like 
orchestra, symphony, whatever, opera. It's it's the last piece that's uh, like at the end to take the whole thing out. Oh, neat. Okay, yeah, I definitely didn't know that because I'm uh, uh, Don Tonio, but I'm a low-class rube who doesn't like get music, so... Um, well, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't know it either until a few years ago. You just, the older you get, the more shit you learn. You're like, oh, really? Oh, okay. That's cool. That's good. All right. And family could be either his Arab family or his chosen Arab family. We'll have to find out. Yeah. Well, this was great. Um, this was fantastic. I don't have a good outro for this. Uh, got to give a shout out to Alexander Wales. Remember, this is his awesome fight scene. We just got to enjoy it and hell yeah actually it's everyone's awesome fighting that's not that good of a eh, they can't all be winners no (laughs) i I thought it was great you can support him you can support us there's links to patreons in the show notes uh you guys are great we'll see you all again next week yeah thanks this is awesome hell yeah bye everybody